Well, welcome to another week of broadcasts here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it's great to be broadcasting for you and with you uh, from my temporary home this week um, on location at the Chosen theatrical release event. Now, for those of you who have been listening to Bottom Line Show for the past couple of months, Mondays are movie Mondays, and today is going to be no different. But this time, I guess they're going to do something kind of fun here. Um, I'm in Atlanta. Uh, tomorrow night is actually going to be a, uh, you know, what we would call in the movie business, they call it a red carpet event where, you know, they, they become pretty commonplace, right? They get all the stars together at a big theater. They've got this big old massive red carpet. You see the stars walking the red carpet into the theater, and then they show uh, whatever the movie is going to be. Over the years, I've been privileged to be invited to several of these red carpet, carpet events. I remember one of the bigger ones I went to, this is five, six years ago, when God's Not Dead Part 2 came out. Um, I've never seen so much red carpet. I mean, they did it at a theater up in L.A., uh, Hollywood, and they had a red carpet, red carpet, like a little strip of red carpet and a big sign where people could get their pictures taken. But then they had this massive lobby where it was really easy to get into and have, have lots of red carpet screenings. So if you dig through our archives, I got lots of pictures of cast and crew and things like that. And it was a, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, I've also been a part of some red carpet events, quite frankly, that have been microscopic. I mean, and here's what I mean. There was a movie, Miracles from Heaven, came out many years ago. Jennifer Garner was in it. And they did the red carpet premiere in Dallas, and I was privileged enough to be uh, flown to Dallas to, to go ahead and take part in that. And it was interesting to be there and see that there had been a little bit of weather. The theater they chose for showing the movie was rather small. And the red carpet piece was literally about 10 feet long. I mean, it was really small, and they had a couple of backtracks up there. If you look at the pictures, you would think, oh, my gosh, look at the stars. There's Jennifer Garner. There's all these different people, blah, blah, blippity, blah. But in reality, it was they just kept rotating us in and out, and people kept walking back and forth on it. I, I don't know if it was because the venue was that small or the weather or whatever it was, but sometimes when you see those pictures, they say, here's so-and-so posing on the red carpet. That piece of carpet's like 20 feet long, maybe. It's not that big a deal. But anyway, so... The Chosen, as you know, if you've won materials from The Chosen, and we've given a lot of them away here on Movie Mondays, The Chosen has um, kind of adopted the color scheme of black, white, and teal. Uh, if you get any of The Chosen materials, like I think we gave away a couple of hats last time uh, I got back from the set in Midlothian, Texas, where they were doing some shooting of season three. And uh, one of the hats was kind of like the duck hat, you know, kind of the surf, uh, the, the fishing fisherman's hat. It was black and had the Chosen logo written in teal. Then there was another hat, kind of a baseball cap that was teal, had the Chosen logo written in white. So what the Chosen team have decided to do is, I, I, it took me a while. I didn't catch this at first. They're not doing a red carpet premiere tomorrow night here in Atlanta. They're doing a teal carpet premiere. <laughs> so we're going to be walking the teal carpet. I guess I'll have to wear something that matches with that. Well, I have to see what I've got packed. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So this week, you'll hear me broadcasting from Atlanta, from the, uh, the teal carpet premiere of season three of The Chosen. Today is Movie Monday. And so coming up, you're going to hear a couple of conversations I had with chosen cast members when I visited the set when they were recording season three of this very, very popular uh, television series. And understanding, of course, that the reason we're promoting The Chosen on Movie Mondays is because season three of The Chosen will be available for streaming at the end of November. But this Friday night, November 18th, The Chosen season three will be in theaters. And what they're going to do is they're going to take episodes one and two 
plus some extra footage and a little discussion afterwards. And we're going to watch that tomorrow night in the uh, in the, the theater on the Teal Carpet event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You can go to the theaters on November 18th and see the first two episodes of The Chosen. Now, some people might say, well, gosh, you can get it for free on the streaming. Why would you spend money on a ticket? Uh, that's a very fair question to ask. The, the answer is because of the extra things that will be on there and you get to see it on the big screen. And this is something else that the chosen brass came up with, and I thought it was pretty smart. Remember last year at Christmas time, they did the chosen Christmas special in theaters. And what they did was they took a couple of the episodes that were more Christmas based, you know, the birth of Christ related, you know, telling the story in retrospect, obviously, because the chosen takes place of, uh, with the ministry years of Jesus. And they put some musical additions to it. They made it a really nice Christmas special. They decided they were going to show it the first week of December, a couple of nights, Fathom events. It was like a Tuesday and a Thursday, like Fathom typically does with their faith-based projects. It was so popular that it wound up staying in theaters through the end of December. And so the powers that be of the Chosen said, wait a minute, if this thing is that popular and people want to get back into the movie theaters and they want to see something on the big screen, the Chosen looks great on your 70-inch plasma TV or whatever you've got at home, or maybe on your 20-inch computer screen. But wouldn't you like to see it on the big screen? Well, that is what they are uh, trusting that their audience wants to do. And so today here on Movie Monday, what we are doing is giving you a chance to hear a couple of conversations that I had with members of the cast, uh, Brandon Potter, who plays Quintus, and I had a chance to sit down on set for a, a conversation. And also... Um, it, it, well, there were so many people I got a chance to talk to. George Xanthus, who plays uh, John the Apostle, uh, is also going to be uh, we're fe featuring his conversation today. And we have video of those conversations as well that will be up at myhopenow.com. But we do have a pair of tickets to give away to Friday night. So uh, if you want to start calling in now, you can, 800-227-5278. I only have one pair of tickets. So... Everybody who calls in, if you want something movie-related, we've got movie stuff. We don't have any more chosen merchandise um, yet. I will probably be bringing some back with me from, from Atlanta, but I don't have any right now. Just the pair of tickets. But 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The Chosen Season 3 in theaters this Friday, Episodes 1 and 2. And then, of course, the whole uh, series for season three launching at the end of November after Thanksgiving. But if you are looking for a way to spend the Thanksgiving holiday enjoying something on the big screen that is very edifying and very God-honoring, you will want to see The Chosen. And we do have one pair of tickets to give away, 800-227-5278. Um, okay, uh, we've got some powerful topics of conversation to discuss. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at a story that involves a church here in, in San Diego that, uh, and kind of a, a dark story that's coming out of this church right now. And, and just I want to ask you before we get into the, um, to the story uh, for prayer. I mean, this is, a, this is the kind of thing that when it happens in the body of Christ, when there are allegations, you know, we don't know the whole story. We're just reading the things that are being reported. But it's very, very serious. And we want to make sure that we are God-honoring in the way that we handle ourselves with a story like this. So Father, I just come before you today uh, along with my brothers and sisters here listening to the Bottom Line Show. Um, there's a church in our uh, church family 
that is going through a really tough time with allegations of of uh, of, of children being abused and killed and um, and, and even uh, one man committing suicide because of the heinous nature of the crimes and it's still under investigation and we know that there's more to the story i'm sure than what we're hearing but right now what's being reported is 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 heartbreaking and father we just pray that 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 speak through me as i wander through this material as we we have this conversation as a family to have a dialogue about what's going on in this church and how we in the body of Christ can do a better job and a more effective job of protecting young children, especially those who are in foster care, especially those who wind up being adopted out of foster care into homes that should be good, God-honoring, and wonderful forever homes. Um, please help us to to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and not the other way around. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll, let's get into this story in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Don't overpay on interest and fees by going with the wrong lender. Newport Bay Mortgage won't charge you points on your reverse mortgage wherever it is possible for them to do so. You will have peace of mind with the possibility of having additional cash to draw from to pay for unexpected expenses. Owner Cliff and his team do what they can to maximize the amount of cash available to you while minimizing the cost of closing. The result of having another stream of income relieves stress that you didn't even know was there. You'll save thousands by working with Newport Bay Mortgage because they avoid charging you points and they will never tack on unnecessary fees. When considering ways to relieve financial stress in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. Contact Cliff today. Call 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080, NMLS 332559. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Movie Monday, and we're taking your calls, 800-227-5278. I have exactly one pair of tickets. We might find another one, but uh, as a matter of fact, I'm hopeful uh, that uh, we'll be able to get a few more tickets to this because uh, uh, the CEO of Fathom Events is going to be at this event that I'm at in Atlanta right now, broadcasting from, uh, actually from my hotel room <laughs> in Atlanta, getting ready for tomorrow night's teal carpet event, not a red carpet event with the chosen, but it's teal carpet event for the premiere of season three. And uh, that is going to be in, making its way into theaters Friday, November 18th and following its episodes one and two. And we've got a pair of tickets that we're giving away today. We're taking a drawing all throughout the program, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. Uh, tough story out of San Diego to share with you. And you may have heard this, especially if you were a member of the Rock Church, because the church's name, of course, is being reported all over the place in the case of a woman called Letitia McCormick. Uh, this is a woman who uh, has recently been arrested um, and charged with murder and several other crimes uh, related to the death of her adopted daughter. Uh, you may have heard this story uh, a couple months ago, I believe, when it was first reported that there were reports of abuse in the home, and uh, evidently when um, the husband, uh, Leticia McCormick's uh, husband, uh, was confronted with the allegations he was so overcome with grief that he, uh, uh, Brian McCormick, his name, uh, he was contacted by police about his adopted daughter's death. Um, and when they asked him for, about questioning, he uh, took a shotgun into his truck and committed suicide. Um, the, the, the arrests come after months of investigations by police. 
apparently um, the couple lived in Spring Valley, and there were lots of calls from neighbors about a child in distress uh, back on August the 30th when they got to uh, the home. Detectives uh, suspected possible child abuse. Uh, the young girl, Arabella, was rushed to a local hospital, but the abuse was so bad she died. Um, Arabella has two younger sisters. They are aged six and seven, and they have been removed from the home now, and they're in, uh, uh, in foster care. Um, in a statement to NBC Channel 7, San Diego, the Rock Church said that they, quote, hope for justice for the sisters. And they made it clear that they said, we have no official relationship with Letitia McCormick. Now, wh where it gets a little murky is that according to uh, church records, though, Letitia McCormick did, in fact, serve as an elder at the Rock Church uh, for a period of time. Uh, she has been charged with three counts of torture three counts of willful cruelty to a child. Uh, she was arrested along with her mother, Adela, Tom, and her father, Stanley Tom. All three of them uh, basically have been implicated here. Um, Mom has been charged with three counts of torture and willful cruelty to a child. Dad also uh, was charged with similar counts of torture and willful cruelty to a child. And evidently, Dad um, has been charged with murder as well. It doesn't look like her mother was. Uh, it, it's amazing because when uh, the, the the police put out their statement and then they reached out to the Rock Church, um, they are doing their best to kind of maintain, um, you know, the, the 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 proper way to deal with a situation like this. I mean, obviously the little girl is dead, so someone killed her, and her adopted father is now dead. Uh, because he took his own life. The Rock Church is saying that they don't have any formal relationship or official relationship with Letitia. This is the statement from police. Quote, the safety of our children is of paramount importance to the Sheriff's Department. We respond to all reports alleging child abuse and neglect. Conducting an accurate investigation is a long and tedious process. Gathering evidence and conducting interviews must be done methodically while protecting the children and preserving the rights of the parents and family members. Fair enough. Rather diplomatic. And, and this is it's important for them to at least approach this with that kind of respect simply because of the fact that there have been too many cases here in Southern California, especially of child abuse and neglect. I think of the Gabriel Fernandez case is a classic example. This was a boy who uh, had been living with his, I believe, his grandparents and uh, along with his two other siblings, also brothers. Mom had been in prison. Mom was released from prison mom and her boyfriend then uh, petitioned for custody from the county and got custody. Um, Child Protective kept being called out. Uh, Gabriel was targeted by the boyfriend. Uh, the boyfriend didn't get along with the little boy. Kid's eight years old. They, uh, the, the, the boyfriend decided that uh, Gabriel wasn't tough enough, you know, he, that he, he, he cried too easy, that he liked to play with dolls or whatever. So he used to abuse him. He'd send him to school with black eyes. He would shoot BB guns at his midsection. Uh, sometimes they'd even send him to school in girls' clothing. And teachers would complain to the principals and say, hey, look, I mean, have you seen Gabriel? He doesn't look right. There's something wrong. Uh, I guess it finally got to a point on picture day when they showed him, you know, they brought him to school for picture day. He came in and he had bruises all over his face. And the teacher said, we cannot take a picture of this child and put it in the school picture in the school directory um, without doing something. And so they finally 
called an investigation. Child Protective Services got involved. They kind of mangled the investigation. Apparently, they came out and inspected the home, but they contacted the parents ahead of time so the parents could make everything look like it was okay. And eventually, there was a 911 call where Gabriel had been beaten to the point where he was not expected to live, and he wound up dying in custody, and, or basically in the hospital. The same type of situation appears to have happened with Arabella McCormick in that she was uh, was beaten, um, that she had been abused. And on August 30th, there was a uh, child in distress call to police to, um, in Spring Valley. The detectives who showed up basically saw what looked like child abuse. They rushed the little girl to a local hospital, but she died from her injuries. The police department is investigating this. Obviously, it's a homicide. But where this really gets sticky is the fact that Letitia McCormick had, in fact, been an elder at the Rock Church. Now, the Rock Church made the following statement. They said, uh, we are hoping for justice for the sisters. We have no official relationship with Letitia. Here's what they said. We have received notice that Letitia and her parents have been arrested as a result of the Sheriff's Department's investigation. We continue to grieve for Arabella and her sisters. We are so sorry that their family and friends are experiencing this unimaginable loss and pain. That, that's a good statement to make. Then the church continues. We send our deepest condolences to all that are grieving at this time. Our hearts go out to each of them. The legal process will run its course, and we hope justice for Arabella and her sisters will be served. We are praying that God's love and grace will bring comfort and healing. Now, I would look for a strong statement, too, that says the church will do everything we can to cooperate in the investigation. I mean, if there's someone who has, in fact, been an elder, someone who has, in fact, um, you know, been an ordained minister at your church, I mean, this is, that just doesn't happen. Now, understanding, of course, that when it comes to people might say, well, wait, did she go to seminary? This is one thing about church denominations that I think it's important for us to understand. In the church world, you might meet someone who says, I'm a pastor, I've been ordained by my church. Okay, well, that's fine. Most states will recognize that a church body can ordain just about anybody they want to. They might have standards, you'd have to have a certain level of education, go to this kind of training, yakety-smackety, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, the state does allow religious institutions to ordain leadership at their discretion. That is one case where we see the separation of church and state as a good thing, right? The problem with separation of church and state, of course, is what typically happens is the church goes sticking their nose in this, or the state goes sticking their nose in the church business and says, well, you can't get involved with this because that's the government and you're the church and you can't do that. But it's the government telling the church what to do. When it comes to the ordination of pastors, ministers, deacons, elders, that really is the the discretion of the organization, denomination, whatever religious institution is ordaining this. So to my knowledge, the Rock Church is a non-denominational church. So the Rock is going to call whatever pastors they choose and feel led by God to call. They're going to determine what level of ordination elders and deacons have. Uh, There are, um, as a matter of fact, I, I know in the Lutheran church, there are diaconal or, or ordinations, which means basically you can take an elder or a deacon in your church and ordain them to be ministers of the gospel. We have a group of uh, ladies at our uh, Lutheran Church of the Cross, the Gunnar Woods campus, that are, are ordained to do home visits. 
And so in that capacity, they are, are ordained to preside over communion to the homebound, to pray for them. Um, even in the case of if someone does wind up losing their life while they're there, they can perform, you know, the, that type of comfort as if they were pastoral ministers because they've been ordained by the church. Evidently, Letitia McCormick was, in fact, in that process at the Rock Church. She did, in fact, receive ordination there. As a matter of fact, this is the statement from the church regarding that issue. And to their credit, they could have very easily said, we don't know what she's talking about. This is the craziest thing we've ever heard. I don't know where you read this, but she's not ordained with us. We, we have no relationship with her. Here's how the church responded to the concern that one of their own members, a former elder who had been ordained in the church, was involved in a murder case involving the murder of her own adopted child. The Rock Church says this, the Rock is no longer has any official relationship with Letitia. Her ordination at Rock Church had previously been suspended and is now in the process of being revoked. Evidently, this was not new to the church. So questions that need to be asked. How much did they know? How much did they turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to? How much were they involved in this? Is it possible that the abuse escalated because the church interceded and said, there's a problem here, and if you don't get something together, we're going to have to either sever ties or, or do whatever. I mean, we don't know the level to which the church was possibly complicit in this abuse. But boy, is this something for all of us in church leadership and in the body of Christ to pay attention to. I want to take a quick break, and on the other side of this break, I want to talk about why this issue of adoption, foster care, should be first and foremost a huge priority in the church, but why we have to do a better job of making sure cases like this one never comes to light. Never even It's never even an issue. I don't want to say never comes to light. That makes it sound like we're covering it up. I, I want to say never even an issue. Let's talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. I was thinking about this over the weekend, uh, how many young women were voting in the last election, and they were voting because they thought their constitutional rights were being taken away. And what they didn't find out from the Democrat Party that was telling them this was that basically because Roe versus Wade was overturned, that they felt that there was this huge legal issue. And I wonder how many young women were so focused on the legal part, they forgot to focus on the baby part. Our friends at Preborn have been helping people for years understand, like a young woman who goes into the, the center, has an ultrasound. She's with her boyfriend, who's the father of the baby. Mom sees the baby for the first time and says, that's a baby. Dad hears the heartbeat and says, that's a baby. And they're actually surprised about this fact. But this is what Preborn does, tells the truth. And your $28 donation right now will help save the life of another baby. I mean, 83 out of 100 women who go to a preborn clinic and get the ultrasound wind up keeping their child or releasing that child for adoption. We've saved over 200 babies so far during this campaign. Will you help us save 200 more? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or click the preborn banner when you go to thebottomlineshow.com or kbrightradio.com today. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a heartbreaking story out of Spring Valley and uh, our friends were praying for at the Rock Church and all involved in this horrific case Brian and Letitia McCormick, who were previously members of the Rock Church. Uh, Letitia had been a one-time elder and ministry worker there, and she has been arrested along with her parents of torture and murdering their 11-year-old adopted daughter, Arabella. Uh, there were charges that were alleged, and a police investigation had begun a couple months ago. 
when Letitia's husband, Brian, um, was confronted by police officers asking about an investigation. He eventually shot himself with a fatal wound inside the truck near the family home. Um, apparently, the uh, Arabella and her sisters moved in with their adoptive parents in 2017. Their adoptions were finalized a couple of years later. And apparently it was an abusive relationship. The church has severed ties with Letitia with regard to her official relationship and her official capacity. She's no longer uh, ordained through the Rock Church. Her ordination's been suspended and previously, uh, well, now it's been revoked. But this is one of those cases where when you think about the family reaching out to say, we want to be an adoptive family making sure that the families are vetted for the thousands of couples that are looking to adopt children. Unfortunately, something like this did come up. Something It, it happened within the church. We in the church should not be uh, slow to investigate a case like this, but also we should do our due diligence because quite frankly, if anyone's going to lead the charge for foster care and adoption in the culture, I believe it should be the church. I mean, I'm grateful for the work of preborn, for example for the work that they do in preparing um, women who have, are surprised by pregnancy to, uh, to become parents. I mean, we had a donation last Friday. I mean, I don't know what it is about weekends, but uh, a bottom line lister called with a $1,000 donation to preborn. $28 per ultrasound. You can do the math as to how many kids are going to be saved because of that. And oftentimes when a woman sees the ultrasound, hears the baby's heartbeat, then she says, wow, I want to bring this child into the world, but I can't raise this child. I want to release this child for adoption. Preborn works with the Pregnancy Health Center where the ultrasound was done to connect them with the right agency that matches them with the right parents. And we trust that that match is going to be a great fit for that kid. By the way, if you want to make a donation to Preborn, it's 833-850-BABY. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. There's a link in the banner up there where you can click on to the preborn site and make a donation. $28 for one ultrasound saves one baby's life. $140, five ultrasounds, five babies saved. $280 for 10, $2,800 for 100 babies. But you think about a child like Arabella who was placed into foster care and then placed up for adoption and she found a forever home, she thought. And it turned out to be a house of horrors. Lord, we pray for all involved in this case and we pray that your will be done, that your grace and mercy wash over this church, that you've got this little girl now in your hands forever and we are so grateful that she's free from the abuse. We pray that godly justice is done in the case of the parents and the grandparents but help us to be ever mindful of the fact that even in a sinful fallen world like this, we can be lights of Christ through adoption and foster care and organizations like Preborn. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, let's take a quick break and put a smile on our faces for a second. It's Movie Monday here on the Bottom Line Show. The Chosen is going to be in theaters this Friday, November the 18th. I'm in Atlanta right now getting ready for the not red carpet premiere, but teal carpet premiere. And I have two of the stars of The Chosen waiting on the wings to talk with me about season three. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome to this Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. and so glad you are here. I am not here. Actually, well, I'm not in Southern California today. I am in Atlanta, Georgia, getting ready for tomorrow night's red carpet premiere, or should I say the teal carpet premiere of season three of The Chosen. 
It's going to be so much fun. Season three, they're going to do the premiere two weeks before the series releases on uh, streaming. They're going to do a, a weekend event here, Fathom Events, kicking this off on Friday, November 18th. S episodes one and two of season three of The Chosen will be available in theaters only. And we've got a pair of tickets to give away to that, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And since this is such a hot commodity, Crystal and Teresa are just taking the names and taking the names and taking the names. We will have another giveaway later in the program here. But if you want the tickets, just know that we'll be calling you back at the end of the program today. Because we've got, it's always such a feeding frenzy for all things Chosen. Um, recently, I had the chance to visit the new Chosen set in Midlothian, Texas, about an hour south of Dallas. And I had a chance to sit down with a couple of the stars of The Chosen. So first, let's get into uh, part one of this dialogue. This is George Xanthus, who plays John on The Chosen. My conversation with George right now, here on this Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line. If you're a fan of The Chosen, not just season three, but the entire series, uh, the man who plays John uh, is with me here, uh, George Xanthus. Uh, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me. Or should I say good day? Welcome to The Bottom Line Good day, yes. Show. I welcomed you with good day. You, you've, yeah. you've only heard that 25,000 times today. Yeah, well, out of my own mouth. <laughs> that's great. Well, I appreciate that. How, how did you get connected to this project? I mean, give us a background of your journey that takes you with an Aussie background to... Jerusalem. Yeah, well, um, you know, obviously from Australia, but moved to the United States. I actually moved to a city, Culver City, and, uh, you know, you never think that you're going to be near a casting agent when you're in Culver City, but lo and behold, The Chosen was casting in Culver. Mm -hmm. And so it was the first time I didn't have to make the 55 minute lift trip because I didn't have a car. <laughs> I had like a folding bike, so uh -huh. it's really hard for me to get around LA. Uh -huh. People are like astounded, like, you take buses and mm -hmm. bikes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, like, couldn't afford a car. Right. But um, this was lovely. I could just walk to the auditions, just like any other audition. You get it through your management. Um, and I remember reading the script and going, because a question we always get is, is this just, just another Jesus project? Right. You read that first script and you know, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. Because the entire script is about a fisherman down on his luck, needs to pay his taxes in Simon, and is considering selling out his own people just to forgive his tax debt with the Roman um, Empire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from that moment, I knew it was going to be an imp like a really cool project. I auditioned for Simon. Mm -hmm. um, they loved it, but they said, maybe we'll go for something else. They then made me audition for Quintus, who is mm. the Roman praiser. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then they gave me John. So I always say, is John like a bit of a Roman and a bit of a Simon? I'm not sure, but that's how <laughs> they found John. Um, but yeah, since then, it's just been just been growing and growing it it kind of started as a as a, as a web series i guess and now we're on we're on peacock we're on uh, amazon we're going to be on netflix at the end of the year nice. got our own app where you can watch everything for free it's just incredible what the show's become you mentioned that first that first episode and how it was just so powerful i mean there were so many it just came right at you you know there was nothing subtle about the shows and it just kind of came right out and hit you that that drew you but what about the writing continues to keep it energizing for you well, our writers, so Dallas is the creator of the show, also one of the writers, and we've got Tyler and Ryan as well. The thing is, the show's called The Chosen, and I always use the example of when you've got a project that looks at something from the other perspective, it always does well. You know, like mm -hmm. on stage, you see Wicked, it's like the Wizard of Oz from the perspective right. of the, the witch, but, you know, this is you know, obviously not in, in that 
type of theme, but we're, from this we're looking at the story of Jesus from the perspective of those who knew him best. Mm -hmm. And so what the writers get to do is they get to flesh out not just one character, Jesus, looking out. They get to flesh out 15, 16 characters looking in. And so they've always got stories and they've always got characters to delve into and it just keeps the show fresh. Um, and it's always so fresh. And all of us with our characters, we've been cast so well, by the way, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the sense that Amanda, uh, Dallas's wife, was, was in the room or when they were watching on the laptops and said, feels like a John, feels like a, a, a Matthew. And you know what? A lot of the disciples do feel like they're, mm -hmm. a lot of the actors feel like they're disciples. So yeah, we're, we're just constantly chuffed as we say in Australia, I'm not sure if you guys use that word, but thrilled uh -huh. whenever we get the scripts because the writing's incredible. And we've got, I mean, they're gonna do seven seasons of this thing. They've got so much content to go through. It's gonna be great. Talk about the stereotypes. I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about Jesus and the fact that we're seeing a different kind of Jesus, you know, not stained glass Jesus or Robert Powell Jesus, but, I mean, a very real character. Mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene, you know, had a lot more depth to that character than we might have thought. John is known, but in terms of the character, not as well known. Do you get the sense that people are getting a better feel for who, you know, John the Gospel guy, not John the Baptist is? Well, this is where the writers are so are so smart because they've looked at John's book and they're like, he's constantly referring to himself as the beloved. Mm -hmm. He's constantly saying that this this disciple got there first. And so um, we've put that in, like, obviously he's the first to get to the tomb. He's the only one there to watch Jesus. So he's, you can you can get a little idea of what the character's like. Maybe this person was a little bit like, you know, eager to please. And, and I actually... Uh, sought out a Greek Orthodox priest because I'm Greek Orthodox um, background and uh, my priest said that um, that Jesus thought John was one of the younger ones but could take the Christianity into the future mm. so that's why he showed a lot of you know not favoritism but really wanted to make sure the message was with him because he was a bright student mm -hmm. and something that could continue for ages and mm -hmm. so he is a little bit eager to please, but that can make him a bit impetuous, and that's why he gets dubbed the Son of Thunder. thunder right. um, and so you can get these little hints from the writing, and so they have made John a little bit eager to please. You know, there, there are instances where Jesus needs to pull him aside and go, you know what, I'm not giving you a big, um, you know, a big uh, mission right now. Maybe your job is to just sit tight and just be patient. And John kind of stamps his foot. We see that in season <laughs> one. He literally wants to call fire down from the heavens. Right. And uh, Jesus is like, calm down. So yeah, you can actually get those clues from the writing. And um, it's, it's great how the writers just take little bits and pieces. Matthew's book, for example, is way more detailed than John's. John's one is a little bit more, what, what did it feel like? Matthew's mm -hmm. is precise. And we mentioned that. And so they're like, well, maybe Matthew as a character will be precise. What made him so precise? Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, was a character on the spectrum that really was focusing on precision and, and, and maybe looked away from like, you know, other social cues because he wanted to be so precise. And that happens with all the characters. I'm just, I'm grateful that, you know, just John has a book that you can kind of draw off. Mm -hmm. As we look to season three, all of the characters are going to, I don't want to say get a facelift, but I mean, they've, they've been, the talk on the set here has been the honeymoon's over. Yeah. Now we're going it, to, it's going to, it's going to get real as it were. Can you give us a little hint without giving away too much about how it gets real for John in season three of The Chosen? Well, they all get sent 
two by two and they go to preach the word of Jesus. And uh, sometimes they run into people who may not, you know, John has a, it is a little bit honeymoony for him. And that's why I think Jesus does need to kind of bring him down because he's feeling like this is the moment for me to become a leader. So in terms of John for the season, he's someone who feels like, do I have the power? Do I have this? And then Jesus is like, when you feel that, you just need to settle down a little bit. Whereas some of the other disciples go out two by two and they create a bit of a stir because they're mm-hmm. trying to spread the word of Jesus to, you know, there's Phar- there's Pharisees in the audience. There's an ancient Greek I've seen and seeing that ancient Greek person was really touching to me as, mm-hmm. an, as a Greek person, mm-hmm. but also it's like a melting pot and they're all trying to get this one message. And, you know, there's a little bit of conflict there. So in terms of the whole season in general, there is, that definitely the honeymoon's over as we try and spread the word like further. But for John, he kind of feels like he's ready and uh, Jesus is there to tell him, you have to be patient for sure. Wow, well, I, I can't wait to see the entire season. I know it's gonna drop soon and season four is in the works. It's the rest of the writing and everything like that. So that gives you guys a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of passion mm-hmm. uh, to continue on with the series. Cause you don't need any more than you've already got. I mean, my goodness, I, yeah. I love your 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 vim and vigor yeah. for the character of John. Thank you. George Thank you. Anthes, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, my pleasure. Line. Thank you, mate. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they had put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. Honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. This Friday, The Chosen Season 3 makes its debut with Episodes 1 and 2 in theaters nationwide. Um, I'm in Atlanta right now getting ready for tomorrow night's red carpet, excuse me, teal carpet premiere uh, here. That's going to be tons of fun. We'll have lots more audio and video of that when I get back. Uh, Now, though, enjoy a conversation I had not too long ago with Brandon Potter, who plays Quintus on Season 3. We caught up with each other this summer while they were filming Season 3. Let's go ahead and roll that right now. Talking today here on the Bottom Line Show with he's the uh, Brandon Potter. Make sure that he is fully properly introduced here. Brandon plays Quintus on uh, all of the seasons of The Chosen, and we're in the process of filming season three. Brandon, it's great to get to meet you. Oh, it's good to meet you too. Thanks so much for coming. What an by. exciting opportunity for you as an actor and a multifaceted actor is that. I mean, many people would hear your voice and say, "Boy, I'm sure I've heard you on a video game or a, you know a, an audio book or something like that," and they'd be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, you're kind of a storyteller at heart. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you love this whole process. Talk about how that began for you, you know, at a young age, you know, to bring you to where you are now playing Quintus, who has kind of a, I don't want to say sinister role, but I mean, you're, you're Rome, right? I mean, That's you're right. the rules. Yeah. It would be hard not to describe Quintus as a bad guy yeah. in The Chosen. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's for sure. You enjoy that? I do. I love yeah. playing bad guys. Yeah. And I, I love playing bad guys, uh, and I especially love playing the villain in, in, in The Chosen, because you know, the chosen really focuses on the the sort of humanity of, mm-hmm. of all these right. of all these characters, right? And that's accomplished through uh, 
sort of spiritual journeys through uh, meaningful interactions and also through humor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get to bring that yeah. to The Chosen, which is a ton of fun. Yeah, uh, every day. Well, it's like a comedy has you know a level of humor to it, but I mean, there's also when the heavy-handed stuff comes around. Part of the reason why we do kind of wince a little bit is because, well, it's true. Yes. You know, and and there's definitely a law and gospel component, so you get to be all the law. And that's that, right. That's a pretty hefty burden there. It is. It is. Uh, but it's it's enormously satisfying. So you know, obviously, I get to say some zingers, right? Mm -hmm. Some cool yeah. one-liners. Yeah. But. I also get to focus on the sort of humanity of, yeah. of Quintus in The Chosen, right? He, he has this relationship with Matthew, and I don't think it's, a, it's born of anything evil or bad. Right, right. I think that he cares for Matthew. Mm -hmm. He relates to this sort of analytical machinery that he has in his brain and wants to cultivate it. And that comes from a good place, not just a bad place, Yeah, uh, which makes Quintus a, a, a complex character and a good foil for everyone mm -hmm. else in the show. Did you look at other biblical villains, if you will, you know, in preparing for this role? I mean, how, how, what, what did you do, knowing that The Chosen is breaking all sorts of ground in terms of scripting, writing, directing, you know, for mm -hmm. a, a biblically-based uh, television program, wh whom did you draw on? Well, every other character in the show, they can actually look at the Gospels or right. the scholarship and they can pick out bits that they can use for creating a character. And I, I didn't have that opportunity. So what Dallas and I did was bake Quintus from scratch. Hmm. And you can look at sort of cultural norms of the time. For example, the Roman military were obsessed with order, discipline, and oftentimes that was brutal. So you can look at an organization like the Roman military and you can make those traits for a person. Mm -hmm. uh, Quintus is obsessed with organization, the status quo. And mm -hmm. Of course, Jesus isn't so concerned right. with the status quo, so there's right. already going to be friction there. You can say, well, what kind of person would be obsessed with discipline or the status quo? Mm -hmm. And then you can begin to build a sort of fully fleshed out human being from there. Yeah, and that's a wonderful, uh, you can feel the dynamic, you can feel the relationship with Matthew and the, 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 the healthy tension, you know, and of course with the Lord's, you know, coming to prominence throughout the course of the series. Right. Uh, is it more freeing, more liberating for you as an actor to say, okay, well, I love the term you used, you know, Dallas and I kind of bake this character from scratch as opposed to saying, you know, with Jesus, with Matthew, Mark, you're pretty much stuck with, you know, the narrative and you can kind of add a few things to it. Is it more freeing for you? Is it more of a challenge for you knowing that there aren't any parameters really? Other than just a few oh, basic things? Oh gosh, it's way more freeing. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. I, I love it because we can create that humanity in a way that, that I can personally relate to, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't have to see something that already exists and reach for it. I can make something that is already close to me. You mm -hmm. know, Quintus is a part of some giant story that he's not fully capable of comprehending. And that's easy for me, being a part of this big production, right, that I don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. you, you know, not just the moving pieces of production itself, sure. but also the impact it has in people's lives. There's no way one person can wrap their head around it, and right. I can easily relate to that. What kind of feedback are you getting from the audience in terms of, you know, I hate you, or, oh, you're so good at this? I mean, because you, you figure you're probably going to get equal amounts of both. I haven't gotten any, for example, like hate mail or anything That's like good. that. Like, hey, you stop being so mean to Jesus. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten any of that yet. Yeah. I get a lot of like, why I oughta, and uh, <laughs> I love to hate you and, uh -huh. and stuff like that, which yeah. speaks to the, the emotional breadth of this show. Mm -hmm. A lot of my castmates, they get these interactions about, um, this was such an inspiration to me, or I really enjoyed this journey. It, it, it meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, humor and irony yeah. and fun and levity. And that's the defining trait of The Chosen is that it's these 
hugely influential and important characters, right? But their stories told with with subtlety and mm-hmm. with humor. It contains more than just this capital S spiritual journey. Mm, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. You do so, you're a real renaissance man with the voice acting, with the stage, with screen, you know, and, and now with television. It seems like television though is, is so different. I mean, there's a very theatrical feel obviously to The Chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have one that you're leaning toward? Or where does The Chosen kind of rank in all of that in terms of uh, kind of rewarding for you in terms of an actor? So it's sort of two, that's sort of two different questions sure. because you know, one way you could look at that question is, what medium do you like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, the answer to that question is, whichever one I'm working on right exactly. now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but, but there's also another version of this question, which is that The Chosen is already its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a, a TV experience that I could mm-hmm. group in with all my other TV experiences. When you show up on set, even on day one, the cast and crew were, were so deeply invested in this. And that's very, very different than sort of anonymous gun for hire. Mm-hmm. I'm here to do a job, right. you know, that a lot of other sets are. And that's not good or bad. That's just the nature of the beast, yeah. you know. But with this, it's already different. And we've been with the same folks for, for three years now. We're filming season three, mm-hmm. uh, which means that there are meaningful relationships that you can make with your uh, uh, castmates and, and the folks working the crew. Mm-hmm. Is it better now, I mean, I realize this may be a rhetorical question, now that you have a set, that you have a fixed spot, you're not kind of changing costumes out in the middle of the field and you know, you've got a sound stage <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, it probably makes it a little easier as an actor to, uh, to be able to function in an air-conditioned building when you're doing interiors and things it, like that. It, it, truly, it truly does. Obviously, I love the adventure aspect of changing my clothes in the middle of the field, or else I never would have become an actor, right? But it is uh, really, really freeing to, for example, not have to wait for a plane to go overhead, mm-hmm. you know, in between takes. It, right. it feels a little bit like kids playing stickball in the street and a car mm. comes by car, you yeah, know, and everyone yeah. runs, and then when the car passes, okay, game on, you know. Uh-huh. So season one and two, uh, for as, as, as big and professional as they were, there was a lot of car, you know, <laughs> uh, and now that is significantly reduced because of this incredible set and the incredible sound stages that we're fortunate enough to work on. Tell us a little bit about season three. Just, I mean, without giving away any trade secrets, though, what's happening in Quintus's uh, character? Uh, what, what excites you about it? Uh, what, what encourages you about it? Season three is, is going to be big, right? Yeah. Season one and two are obviously big. Right. And season three is no Bigger. exception. Yeah. It's continuing the trend. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some new characters that I think fans are really going to love. Uh, the journeys of the characters that they, that they already know and love are, are going to take some turns, right? Uh, for the darker, the sort of motto of the season has come to me, uh, all you who are weary and I will give you rest. I think that means like the honeymoon period of following Jesus is over. There are consequences right. now. Yeah. Uh, the Christ and his followers are gaining some influence. Uh, Quintus will have to deal with factions within Rome. So Quintus can either give in and compromise, or he can push back on all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I know which one he's going to do, but I don't want to spoil it. I anything. was going to say, it looks like you can't <laughs> wait to get to it and get the season completely done. Brandon Potter plays Quintus on The Chosen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for stopping by. 
Brandon Potter, boy, that guy's intense, and he's so, he's so much fun. He's so good at playing the bad guy in The Chosen. And season three of The Chosen, you get to see Quintus, Brandon Potter, and all the great actors that you've enjoyed uh, over the past couple of seasons. Season three makes its debut this Friday in theaters. They're going to show episodes one and two. It's a Fathom Events event. Our friends at Fathom Events have provided a pair of tickets to give away. 800-227-5278. We've been taking your calls all hour. We're going to throw a lot of names into the big old fishbowl, and you get a chance to win a pair of tickets to opening night. 800-227-5278. By the way, uh, if you don't win the tickets, we still have lots of movies, copies of The Gospel of John, Fireproof, um, some of the great uh, classic Kendrick movies. Uh, If you want a movie, a DVD, we probably have something that you will want to get. 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You never know what little thing you can do for someone that can make a change in their life. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover has a servant's heart. She will do everything in her power to fully restore you to what your life was like before your injury, using her 25 years of experience to fight for the fair value of your case. Stephanie puts others first and works tirelessly for her clients. Even when she can't help through representation, she does everything she can do to connect people with the help they need through spreading the word of God and sharing her community. Stephanie Cover is grateful for what she has and tries to give back however she can. She believes that as a Christian, you don't turn your back on anyone. Save her number or call now, 877-214-4935. 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Law. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. My thanks again to Brandon Potter and George Xanthus, who play Quintus and the Apostle John, respectively, uh, in the new premiere of The Chosen. Season 3 is, uh, it's, <laughs> it's coming up. Uh, We've got episodes one and two on the big screen in theaters, courtesy of Fathom Events this Friday. Uh, If you want a pair of tickets to go, we are having our drawing and still taking your names for another couple of minutes. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, of course, if you call and you want to get in on the ticket giveaway, but you don't wind up winning the tickets, we also have other movies that we can share with you, and I would love to make sure everybody's going to win something today. So I hope you enjoy that. You know, a lot of people have been looking at The Chosen now, and there's a lot more scrutiny. You know I mean? It seems like this has such a broad appeal to so many different folks. There are people who say, well, wait a minute. I mean, I see Catholics are saying they like this, and even some Jewish people are enjoying it. And, uh, you know, there are people in the Mormon community that are really getting into it, the LDS crowd. And how does Dallas Jenkins kind of manage, you know, go on the tightrope of what do you do? You know, it's very important for us, I think, as Christians to understand a couple of things about media and the way the large large message is presented to people. We saw this during the election. Last week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, Bob and John Neal and I were talking about why what we were told was going to be a conservative red wave, if you will, turned out to be, as Bob called it, a pink drizzle. And uh, John and I said, look, there's messaging issues all over the place. And it's true. When you look at the the numbers, the 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 voters who turned out en masse because they were energized and they were motivated with a message were unmarried women and they all voted Democrat. 
I mean, younger women, you're taking away my right, you're taking away my body by choice, et cetera, et cetera. That really animated people, number one. Number two, there were a large group of people in the faith community who just did not vote. You know, it's interesting when you see something like The Chosen and people want to pick at it and chew at it. And boy, he said this and it sounded like something in the Book of Mormon and he said that. And I don't know if he's really a Christian. I remember when uh, Dallas Jenkins, who's the creator of The Chosen, his dad, Jerry B. Jenkins, the author of the Left Behind series, was getting the same type of criticism uh, 30 so years ago for the work that he did on writing about the book of Revelation. And I remember being asked one time, well, what do you think of this? I mean, it seems like they were really taking some stretches and some creative liberties with the scripture. I said, here's what I do know. I know that more people have been reading the book of Revelation because of the Left Behind series than they would have if they had never seen it before. Are they going to get some of the theology perhaps wrong or or slightly off kilter? Yeah. Uh, There are some things about The Chosen, quite frankly, Lisa and I watch it and go, whoa, I wouldn't have done that. I I would not have presented that that way. But in getting to know Dallas and getting to know the crew and getting to know the cast and the people associated with this, all I can say is this, having been on the set with these people, there is a tremendous love of God. And some people, it's very, very basic. It's very, you heard uh, Liz Tabish talk about playing Mary Magdalene and saying this has kind of been a reintroduction in her faith. Jonathan Rumi, the guy who plays Jesus, is a very devout Catholic and is kind of opening a lot of people in the Catholic world's eyes to this kind of Jesus as opposed to maybe more of the rules and legal-centered Jesus. At the end of the day, though, I'm trusting that God is using this to lead more people to him than lead people away from him. And Lord, I pray that this would be your, uh, your, your heart's desire come to fruition. We know that your sovereignty says you're always going to get what you want because you're sovereign. But Father, help us to not quibble over the small stuff, but to realize and recognize that you are holy and you are leading people. You're reconciling everything all back to yourself. And even in a case of abuse of the church, we know that you can use that for kingdom glory. Bring justice, bring mercy, bring compassion, and show people that you are a God who forgives sin, but the sin must be reconciled. It must be dealt with. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple of seconds left here on this movie Monday to get in on the conversation about whether or not you can get some tickets to see The Chosen in theaters when it makes its debut this Friday. Uh, for KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, a powerful new book about meditation about solitude and about finding spiritual renewal with the desert fathers and mothers pastor and author andrew art is going to join me for that conversation it's coming up next as the bottom line continues also guest joining me today here on the bottom line to talk about a topic that is of huge concern for a lot of people i mean if you've got too much on your plate you've got uh, more month than money you've got your schedules packed and things just aren't really seeming like you're actually getting to the point where you're experiencing spiritual renewal is it possible that you might actually be on the doorstep of that and you just don't even realize it andrew arndt is with me today here on the bottom line he is an author he is a pastor currently serving uh, in colorado at the new life church and we'll get into that in just a moment um, he's the author of a book called Streams in the Desert, and we're going to talk about finding spiritual renewal with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. It's a brand new book that's just now out, and we've got it up for you at thebottomlineshow.com. Andrew Arndt, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Good to be with you, Roger Marsh. A-R-N-D-T, in case you're googling right. along with us at home. I used to work with a woman whose last name was Arlt, 
And yeah. So it's the same time. You guys must be cousins, I guess. It's you know. uh, it's a lot of consonants. People yeah. have a difficult time with that. So if you just blaze right through the T, you're going to yeah. be okay. Aren't there you go. Aren't yeah. Okay, I love it. Uh, let's talk about this. I mean, because you, you write about in this book the fact that there are a lot of people who are experiencing exhaustion and burnout. Yeah. just serious pain in their life. And yet sometimes that's when we're on the threshold for kind of a spiritual breakthrough. Talk about that. Well, I think that's absolutely true. I think that oftentimes what we do is we medicate our pain. And so we have discomfort around something or we feel an area where, like you talked about, there's more month than money or stuff is not working the way that we need it to work. And so instead of really paying attention to like the deep systemic problems that are going on in our lives, what we do is medicate. So we medicate with drugs or we medicate with alcohol or we medicate with sex or we medicate with binge watching Netflix or we medicate with shopping, <laughs> lots of ways that we medicate. Mm -hmm. But I think that the call of the spirit is to pay attention to the pain points of our lives and to ask more profound questions about what's going on in our lives to try to diagnose. Uh, are we really living in a way that's leading to our flourishing? Are we really leading to a way that's genuinely human? There was a German poet in the early 20th century who said, there is no place that does not see you. You must change your life. Hmm. And, um, you know, when I first read those words, I resonated so deeply with them because I do think that's the call of the gospel. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repentance is a word that both designates the changing of our minds. We need to look at life differently, but it's also about where we're going and how we're putting our energies. And so the call of Jesus is to align our lives with the now and coming reality of the kingdom of God. So I think, I think that we're living in a time when people are struggling to live humanly. I think that, you know, the psalmist said, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? I think the foundations of an understanding of what it means to live a genuinely human existence, I think that those have been destroyed. And I think even in the church, I think we don't have a, a very clear idea of how to do this. And so I stumbled across uh, these folks, the Desert Fathers and Mothers, a group of people from the third, fourth, and fifth centuries of the church who were also very disturbed by what they were seeing in the church and what they were seeing in the culture of their time and fled into the desert to try to recover the radical way of Jesus. And, uh, and they did. And they showed the church a better way to be human, a way to be human that's really rooted in who Jesus is and what Jesus taught. And they've left a legacy for us to follow. So this book is really my attempt to kind of take what they were saying and just go, hey, can we like look at this uh, again? And can we use this as a mirror to examine our own humanity? Hmm. Well, the streams in the desert, uh, streams in the wasteland. Right? Wasteland, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, desert, that's another one. Streams in the wasteland, finding spiritual renewal with the desert fathers and mothers. Get the right. title right. And we've got yep. a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Well, can we get into some of the basics then? Because my first thought when you talked about these people is first and foremost, I thought, wow, they were doing that in the third, fourth, and fifth century. Huh? I mean, because yeah. it sounds like it sounds like kind of almost like a cult type of thing. Like, let's go find a big parcel of land somewhere right. get away from the world and solve <laughs> the problems of life. Yeah. But they, they had a lot more intention and a lot more purpose, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And they stayed. I think that the, you know, the thing that uh, astonishes you when you read the Desert Fathers and Mothers for the first time, if you're not familiar with them, is uh, there's kind of this idea that like these were people that were just sort of like saying no to the world and they were saying no to the church and they rejected society and they rejected human company. And that's not really true at all. I mean, I, I one historian, a Cambridge uh, historian actually said that total isolation was found to lead to moral eccentricity, madness, and even despair. Mm -hmm. And so they actually stay profoundly in community with one another. And what you see of them is that they're profoundly submitted to mother church. I mean, these, 
these are folks who are submitted to the norms and the practices and the theology of the church. But what they were trying to do was they were distressed enough by what they were seeing that they went, hey, for a second here, like we're not trying to found the new Jerusalem, right. but in order to save our own souls and to recover our humanity, we just got to step out of the habit. We've got to step out of the way that everybody's living and see if we just can't find a new footing for our humanity. You know, like, you know how, like sometimes when your computer gets all kind of jacked up, you know, and it's like not a matter of like closing this window or doing this thing. You just kind of have to go like hard stop, control, alt, delete, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a bit of what they were doing. There was this moment where Christianity, because it was uh, because it was becoming culturally accepted, you know, the first few centuries of the church, the church was more or less persecuted. And all of a sudden under the emperor Constantine, Christianity receives this validation. Well, at that moment, a lot of people felt that it was just getting in bed with the world. Hmm. And they were disturbed by what they were seeing. They felt like it had lost its radical edge, its martyr edge. Well, can you fix that from within or is something more extreme required? And their answer was sometimes something more extreme is required. And so they kind of did a control alt delete and got a fresh reboot on the system of being Christian. And what's really interesting, Roger, is that as they did that out in the deserts of Egypt, Syria, and Palestine, as they recovered simplicity and silence and solitude and prayer and radical generosity and hospitality for others, they wound up having people from across the Roman Empire, sometimes from hundreds of miles away, would travel to come and sit at their feet and listen to their wisdom. What have you guys learned? How can I do that? And they would take that wisdom and apply it back in their own lives wherever they were living in the Roman Empire. So one scholar says that these folks actually, uh, they revolutionized the very movement that they came out of precisely because they were going back to the roots of the movement. So I think they're fascinating. I think they have a lot to say to us. I could tell, and it really kind of lights you up, you know, having this, yeah. this, this discovery about this, because you can see third, fourth, fifth century application in 21st century, uh, well, America and the world right now. And that's no doubt. It's, it's amazing to see how these things would come about. Um, Andrew Arndt is my guest today here on the Bottom Line Streams in the Wasteland is the book. We have a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com. One of the chapters you taught, because you've divided the book into in the desert with God, in the desert with others, and then for the world. Uh, let's talk about the God part, because you've got a chapter title that I, I, I love, and I wanted to ask you more of your insights on this. We've had the great resignation. We're experiencing what we think might be the great reset in the world. And people are saying, <laughs> how do we stop that from happening? Yeah. You have a title about the great renunciation. Talk about yeah. what you mean by that. Well, I think the most obvious feature, I think, of the desert fathers and mothers is their renunciation of the world. And so they let go, many of them, of status and privilege and possessions and power in order to try to get their humanity stripped down to the bare essentials. You know, like the psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but you, O God, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. At some point, there has to be a moment in our spirituality where we realize that there's nothing out there that can complete us. And because we're already complete in God, we have this like curious freedom with respect to things. And I think I entitled it The Great Renunciation because I think that what these folks are doing kind of in renouncing status and privilege and possessions and power, even renouncing like the need to be right and circumstances, mm -hmm. what they're really doing is they're coming back in touch again with their baptism. And so all of us who are followers of Jesus, at some point, we're going to pass through the waters of baptism. And what happens when we do that? Well, according to the New Testament, we're dying to the world 
we're being buried with Christ, and we're being raised up to this new life again, where God in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is our all and our all. And so we can say that we have nothing in the world but everything with God, which means that we're free with our possessions, and we're free with our power, and we don't need to use other people to our own advantage. We don't need to manipulate them. And we're not trying to recruit other people into our movement because we're trying to become some big deal. We're not doing any of that stuff. We're, we're so at home in the essential solitude of our own souls with God that we're actually free to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And so I think, I mean, we are living in a time where so many of the fundamental things that we used to find security in are shaking. Right. Our country is in, oh, it's just in a wildly polarized space. Some of the old certitudes in our country, those have been shaken. We're looking around at a global scene that's increasingly unstable. Sometimes we even look at the church and we go, what in the heck is going on with the church? We have leaders right. that we thought would never fail are failing mm -hmm. and ministries that we thought were bulletproof. All of a sudden those are crumbling before our eyes. What are we going to trust in? Well, the Bible has a really clear answer. Trust in God. <laughs> and there's an invitation in all of this to go, God, I never needed any of that to be okay anyway. Because my life, according to Colossians 3.3, it's hidden with Christ in God. Mm -hmm. And so I'm tucked away safely in you. So now, how do you want me to be in this situation? Given the fact that the church is so unstable, given the fact that our country is so unstable, given the fact that the global powers that be are shaken, what do you need from me, God? I don't need them to be complete or to feel safe so I can throw myself into the service of God in the world with a kind of reckless abandon. So I think that's what the great renunciation sets us up for. And I think when we come into those moments where it feels like the things that we were relying on are being taken away from us or they're being mm -hmm. shaken, that's an invitation to enter more free, deeply into the freedom of the spirit. Powerful insights from Andrew Arndt today here on The Bottom Line. Pastor Arndt is the author of a brand new book called Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. I get this comment a couple times a week. You know, should I stay in the market or should I get out? If you like the results of the last two years, stay in. If not, then we've got some great solutions to help you stop the bleeding, put the stitches in, and then go from there. I personally think that the current administration is going to continue the roller coaster of the market, and it's going to be especially hard for those who are living on a fixed income or nearing retirement. It's leading us down the road to where the huge majority of people who are studying what's going on think that a recession is almost here. And so with this administration we have, I would recommend you get away and stay away. Protect your resources in retirement with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash wilsonfinancial. Andrew Arndt is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs and author of the brand new book called Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you missed the first segment of this program, uh, if you're listening on our podcast, uh, go back and listen to it at thebottomlineshow.com. Of course, if you're at My Hope Now, uh, this is continuing, so there, we didn't rejoin anybody here. Uh, it's kind of the fun world of the different social media platforms. That's right. uh, Andrew, before the break, we were talking about the Great Renunciation, the who the desert fathers and mothers were, how they're shaping and influencing culture, too. But obviously, something lit you up about them, you know, yeah. the, the, the kind of that, that said uh, not only 
am I going to be motivated to live more like them? But I want to share this story with other people too. How did this book come about? Well, you asked the question at the top, Roger, about kind of paying attention to pain. And I think that's really where it started for me. So the Desert Fathers and Mothers, it's funny. You know, uh, one of my friends said to me recently, he said, you know, sometimes the books that we write, we don't choose them. They kind of choose us. And that's certainly been the case with this. If you had talked to me, Five years ago, I would not, I would not have said that I will be writing a book on the Desert Fathers and Mothers, and certainly not 10 or 15 years ago. And I, I'd been aware of the Desert Fathers and Mothers for a long time um, through the writings of people like uh, Henry Nowen had a wonderful little book that he wrote many, like about 40 years ago uh, called The Way of the Heart, which was him just taking these essential practices of the desert, solitude, silence, and prayer, and helping us think about how they can help us reclaim our humanness. And so I knew about them, but it took a personal crisis really to throw me into the deep wisdom of the desert. And so in 20, I'm going to say 2016 or so, my wife and I had been at a church in Denver that we helped to plant with some friends back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember we moved out to Denver to help plant that church when I was about 20, I'm going to say 28 years old. And so I was a young buck and I had three little kids. And I'd been an associate pastor for three years. And I thought, this is it. Like, this is my moment. You know, we're going to move to this great American city. And we're going to plant a church in a hard place. And we're going to do some things new and different. And I'm moving there to die with these people. You know, like, I don't want to just like kind of breeze in and do a thing and breeze out. But like, I want to give me 50 years, you know. And I actually used to say to the congregation that 30 years, you know, like, that's my commitment. I want to be here until I'm an old man. And, you know, maybe what will happen is I'll be 80 years old preaching this pulpit and I'll die while I'm preaching. You all bury mm. me in the backyard and we'll call it a life. You know, I just, yeah. I, that sure. was like the dream is like being in one place <laughs> for a long period of time. And it just didn't work out that way. And in 2016, um, the church was successful and it was doing just fine. And my wife and I just felt this disturbance in our spirits that it was really time for us to move on. And that was so painful for me. And we began to discern that with friends. And we came to a place in early 2017 where it was very obvious to us that it was time to be done there. And we started walking that process out. And in May of 2017, so just a few months later, all of a sudden this church that I thought I was gonna spend the rest of my life at, I'm not there anymore. And we moved just down the road to Colorado Springs, took a job as a teaching pastor at this New Life Church here. And I gotta tell you, man, even though on paper, It was sort of a graduation, you know, like, hey, you've gone from planting this small little urban church, but now the big evangelical megachurch has invited you to come and be a teaching pastor on the on the big stage. Congratulations. You know, you've made it for me, Roger. It felt like a death. Hmm. It felt like the death of a dream. It felt like the death of so many of my hopes. I'd never thought about doing anything other than being the pastor of that church. And I loved doing that so much. And I've told some people. In retrospect, the way that it felt to me was it felt like being put in a witness protection program. <laughs> like you used to yeah. be the guy up the road here who did this thing and that thing. And we all knew you for that. Right, right. Now you're here. Here's your new job. Here's your new house. Here are your new friends. Here's your new credit card. Here's your new everything. Have a nice life. And I couldn't figure out how to make sense of that moment. And somebody in the midst of that, it, like it turned into a spiritual crisis for me. Like, who am I? What am I about? And a, and a friend of mine, former congregant, said, you need to read The Desert Fathers and Mothers. And I said, why? And he said, because the thing that's happened to you that you are trying so hard to run away from, and I was, dude, I was trying so hard to run away from it. Every single week, 
I was coming up with um, comeback stories for myself, you know? It's like, I'm going to get out of this place. I'm going to go plant a church in somewhere cool like Austin or Boulder or wherever. I got to get the train back on the tracks. I feel like the spirit just kept saying, no, don't do that. And so my friend said to me, this, the experience that you're having right now that you're trying your best to avoid and run away from, these people sought out. And they saw it. They discovered it to be a, a sure pathway to God. Mm. And so I bought a collection of the sayings of the, al the alphabetical sayings of the desert fathers and mothers. And I started reading them on the daily. After I'd finished reading the scriptures and praying, I would read six or seven of their sayings and stories. And something about what they were saying helped me recover my own humanity. It helped me recover identity. It helped me discover God in the wilderness of my life. I say in the book that they became cartographers of the holy for me. They helped me see that in those places where everything is stripped away and you feel like you're powerless, you feel like you're forgotten, you feel like you're naked, you feel like you've got nothing going for you, God is right there in that mm -hmm. place. And we need wise guides to help us discover God in those places. And I suspect that a lot of people that are watching this or listening to this program, that's how they feel. Yeah. Life has handed it to them. You know, their job has been taken away or a relationship was removed or an old certainty fell apart. Oh, yeah. And they're going, where is God? I think that the Desert Fathers and Mothers can help us. Hmm. Well, that that's powerful. And I'm resonating with what you're saying, Andrew, aren't personally for a couple of reasons, which we can get into in another conversation. But I, I know that there are a lot of our listeners right now who are are at that point, you know, where they're saying, wait yep. a minute, you know, I've, I've been walking with the Lord 50, 60, 70 years and something just feels so empty, like I've yeah. lost something. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't just the pandemic. It's just something that, you know, I, I love that disturbance in the spirit you and your wife yeah. experience. Yeah. Talk about how this book now, the book Streams of the Wasteland is yeah. at the bottom line show.com. Finding mm -hmm. Spiritual Renewals with the Desert Fathers and Fathers and Mothers. How is this helping people? How, how did it help you, Andrew Arn, as you wrote it? Well, I think um, writing it actually gave me, it helped me develop my own language for what had happened in my soul. And that was particularly joyful. And I think it also gave me, you know, nothing happens overnight. I think, uh, you know, I just turned 41. And uh, when I was in my younger years, in my 20s, I measured my life by years for the most part, you know? I'd be like, what am I going to accomplish this year? And now I'm realizing as I'm older, that the work of God, it just takes a longer amount of time. You know, the great yeah. things that God has done, there's stretches of five years, 10 years, 15 years. And so um, I think writing the book for me helped me look back on this last stretch and it gave me language for how the spirit was so profoundly present in my life. And what I'm learning from a lot of people who are reading the book is that they're also finding it to be really helpful to them because the honest, you know, that was Thomas Merton, one of the great spiritual writers of the 20th century who he was, he wrote a little book on the desert fathers and mothers. And he said, now he said, whereas in the early centuries of the church, you had to like run away to go find the wilderness. Mm -hmm. He said, now the wilderness has actually come to our doorstep. Mm -hmm. And I so resonate with that. I, and I'm sure you do too. I talked to so many people who are walking through seasons of desolation, walking through seasons of abandonment, or maybe they're in the church and they're finding the church to be a place that's spiritually kind of vacant. And they're going, God, where are you for right. me? And I think what these folks teach us is they teach us the art of having everything stripped away. Like St. Francis of Assisi, you know, the great figure mm -hmm. from the late Middle Ages. His disciples used to say that he would walk through um, and he was famous for having his vow of poverty, you know, that he just let everything go. And his disciples used to say that he would walk through the woods praying and he would have his hands lifted to the heavens and he would say, my God and my all, my God and my all. And I think that that's what God wants to lead us into an experience of like, I have, because I have you, I have everything that I could ever right. need. Right. But we need, again, I'll say it again, 
we need wise guides to teach us how to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what they taught me how to do. That's what I'm trying to teach other people how to do through this book. Well, the book is called Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with the Desert Fathers and Mothers, written by Andrew Arndt. And they've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And if you're experiencing that kind of uh, spiritual emptiness, that, that mm -hmm. longingness, that pain, that anger, um, let Pastor Andrew walk you through what the spiritual father, the desert fathers and mothers taught him about spiritual renewal in uh, the Streams in the Wasteland book that is his testimony to that uh, tremendous teaching. Andrew Art, thank you for your vulnerability. I appreciate your authenticity and just sharing, uh, you know, how the earthly success of the pastorate and writing books and things like that it's not always the end all be all that we think it's going to be. And sometimes like you mm -hmm. said, the, the story writes itself through you. So I'm, I'm grateful that you were uh, willing to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompt to go ahead and, and put this book out there. Streams in the Wasteland by Andrew Arndt. Uh, Andrew, thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Grateful to be with you, Roger. Well, an interesting and a thought-provoking conversation with Andrew Arndt today here on The Bottom Line. What a great book, too. Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with Desert Fathers and Mothers. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have a copy of the book that we're giving away right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Uh, Andrew Arndt's book, I think, would be a big help, especially if you're going through a tough time and you're realizing hey, it seems like everything is going on in the culture right now to keep me from growing in my faith. How do I find those streams in the wasteland to get some spiritual renewal? This is a great way to approach that topic. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I was thinking about this over the weekend, uh, how many young women were voting in the last election, and they were voting because they thought their constitutional rights were being taken away. And what they didn't find out from the Democrat Party that was telling them this was that basically because Roe versus Wade was overturned, that they felt that there was this huge legal issue. And I wonder how many young women were so focused on the legal part, they forgot to focus on the baby part. Our friends at Preborn have been helping people for years understand, like a young woman who goes into the, the center, has an ultrasound. She's with her boyfriend, who's the father of the baby. Mom sees the baby for the first time and says, that's a baby. Dad hears the heartbeat and says, that's a baby. And they're actually surprised about this fact. But this is what Preborn does, tells the truth. And your $28 donation right now will help save the life of another baby. I mean, 83 out of 100 women who go to a Preborn clinic and get the ultrasound wind up keeping their child or releasing that child for adoption. We've saved over 200 babies so far during this campaign. Will you help us save 200 more? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or click the pre-born banner when you go to thebottomlineshow.com or kbrightradio.com today. My thanks again to pastor and author Andrew Arndt for a co great conversation today about the book Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with the Desert Fathers and Mothers. 800-227-5278. We have got a copy of the book to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, uh, the elections last week left a lot of people in the body of Christ kind of shaking their heads and, uh, you know, scratching and looking around for answers. But the reality is I don't think we should be surprised that we didn't see a big conservative turnout, a big red wave, if you will, for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, 
Christians didn't show up to vote. I mean, that's you can't you can't sugarcoat it any other way. And we can beg and plead and cajole and whatever, but a lot of people in the body of Christ or professing Christians are not animated to vote. Fine. Secondly, though, let's let's also not discount the fact that God is in the process of redeeming and restoring His creation, and I believe He's giving us the government that He wants us to have for our perfection for our purification, for our sanctification. I mean, after all, the most important thing that he is restoring right now is his church. He's bringing us back to where he wants us to be. I mean, our nation is what it's doing what it's doing, but we in the body of Christ have to remember we have enjoyed the benefits of, you know, being a Christian nation for so long. A lot of us have forgotten that when it comes down to being a true Christ follower, what Jesus did was pretty radical in its day. I mean, the fact that he elevated the status of women, that he he looked at children as human beings and having dignity. You know, he didn't see great wealth and power as something to have. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in Ephesians, I mean, hey, look, this this is a guy who, being in very nature, God put that off so that he could show us humility that he encouraged us not just to accumulate data and wisdom and stuff, but to get wisdom, to literally be willing to lay down our, our, our lives for other people and our rights for other people. Uh, the, the desert fathers and mothers had that commitment to say, let's get away from it all so that we could be part of it all. And I love what Andrew Arndt has done in this brand new book called Streams in the Wasteland, Finding Spiritual Renewal with the Desert Mothers and Fathers. One copy to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Remember the call to Christ is the call to serve. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We have one major calling in our lives as Christians. First of all, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the New Testament retelling of the Old Testament Ten Commandments. The new commandment that God has given us also is to love one another as he has loved us so that everyone outside the church will know that everybody inside the church is part of the church. But then it goes on from there. Our goal is, Our commandment, our great commission, if you will, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Preach the gospel, teach the good news of God's word so that those who are in the faith can grow more mature in the faith. Let God take care of the details. Don't worry about the culture. Worry about the people to whom you are called to share the gospel with. That's the bottom line.